Hi, and welcome to the Happier You podcast. I'm your host, Bonna Normando. I started this podcast with the goal to inspire people to stop comparing their lives to others and start focusing on making their own journey unique, authentic, and happier. I thought, what if there's a voice out there encouraging people to find happy in our regular everyday lives instead of thinking happiness is something to be purchased, earned, or only for a select few? Each episode is meant to deliver a little bit of sunshine as well as to challenge and inspire you. I'm no expert. I'm just a regular gal who's inviting you on this journey to find the happier you. Hi, happy people, and welcome back. This week, we're talking about living your one true authentic life. That's when we interview someone who has added or changed something in their life in order to get to their happier. I think hearing stories of real people who have made changes in their life can inspire all of us to keep seeking our happier. It doesn't matter at what stage in your life you start making changes. It just matters that you figure out what will get you closer to your authentic life and ultimately your happier. I'm excited to share my friend Doris Bellin with you. She's been on the podcast before, but today she's here to share her story of how she made a change to find her happier. Welcome, my friend. Welcome back to the Happier You podcast. Thank you, Bonna. It is so fun to be here. We were talking earlier that you have made three transitions in your life, but only the last one was towards more happiness and joy. Can you take us back and tell us how you got there? I can't believe how far back we're going to have to roll the clock though, (laughs) because it's just, yeah, let's, let's not give any details on those years, but let's just say decades. We roll it back, first of all, to me in university. I was Uh, doing my doctoral studies, I was on track to become a professor of neurolinguistics. And I was married at the time. I got married in my early to mid 20s, initially to a fellow called Malcolm. And Malcolm had cancer. And his cancer reared up really strongly somewhere around halfway through my, my doctorate. And my first transition was feeling like I had to step away from that to take care of Malcolm. He had a business. I thought his business is going to die. And that, in retrospect, is a mistake. Uh, And I talk about that in the book that I've written, Protect Your Purse. But that was a mistake for me because I left all of that training, all of that development behind. So that was the first one. And I, that first transition, switching from my PhD over to his business and, and helping Malcolm out, that was done out of necessity. So now if we fast forward the clock several years after that, I am 32 and Malcolm has just died from his cancer. And I was left, as I discovered afterwards, with $400,000 of debt, just shy of $400,000 of debt. And that was life altering for me, quite literally, because I looked up, you know, I mean, I, I mourned so deeply for... Uh, three weeks. I don't even think I got up off the floor. I was just so devastated by his death. And then one morning, I remember there's this brilliant beam of sun that, that came through. I was on the floor of my home office and it came through and I just had this moment of clarity. And I don't know if this was the universe trying to wake me up or, or if it just coincidental, doesn't matter. But I just had the, this thought, oh my God, I have all this debt. And I didn't know what the number was at that time. All I knew is that it was a big number. So I started trying to figure that out. And I realized after doing a bunch of digging, it was $397,000. And that was a sobering revelation because the business was dying. Malcolm was the engine for the business and he had died. So I knew that I only had about two years worth of runway to make money off what was left of the business. So 
I worked like a demon in that time. In those two years, paid off all of that debt, $400,000 of debt, and then had to reinvent my life. I was starting from scratch at the age of 34. So that's when my second transition came in. I met and married my second husband shortly after that. But then I transitioned into the world of real estate because I had looked around and said, what am I going to do with myself? I can't go back to my doctorate because the research is irrelevant. And I I became quite strategic. So that, that second pivot was one done out of trying to figure out what can I do with my life from here forward? How am I going to earn a living? What have other people done? And that's when my research brain kicked in and I looked around and said, what have, what have other people done that has been successful? So I threw myself into the world of real estate and I genuinely enjoyed it. And I, I built that up to a point where you know, I had a portfolio and I had an investment business where I was bringing in other investors. Um, and then I spent 10 years helping people qualify to get their own homes. They came to me and I slowly became a financial literacy hound, if you will, and, and a, what I call a financial repair specialist, because people would come to me and say, Hey, can you can you help me? Because I I'd had a chunk of success myself, paying off that debt, reinventing myself, and and in the real estate world too, I was doing some some things and bringing in some money and and building wealth for investors. So people came to me and said, Doris, I want to buy real estate, but I can't get a mortgage. The bank won't finance me, or I have not enough credit. So I started working with them, and I did that for ten years, and and so that was great, but. I got to a point where I realized, you know, this is it's not making me happy. And the banking regulations were changing at that time. It was getting harder and harder to get these people into programs where they could qualify for homes. And I also started realizing as I was working with couples, a lot of couples trying to repair their finances, I started noticing some stuff that you know, the men would do more of the talking than the women. The women were more vulnerable than the men. And there was a delegation of tasks, but also an abdication of tasks. And I started seeing all of this stuff. And I also saw the fact that the standard approach to budgeting and personal finances, which is a budgeting approach, just didn't serve many people very well because I had done all of this stuff for people. I'd created budgets. I'd looked at all of their finances. I'd said, oh, here are the problems. Here are the gaps. Let me put this together for you. And you know, they would follow that plan, but they wouldn't sustain that plan. So while we work together, they're going great and doing great things. And then the minute I let go of their hand, they would go back into their old patterns. And that was so frustrating to me because I thought, oh my goodness, all this effort, all this time, what's going on? So it was a slow process of realization, kind of the meeting of multiple worlds of saying, it's getting harder on the financing front for some of these people. The change isn't lasting for these people. And I'm noticing these women are much weaker financially than men. And you know, when you know a little bit about my background and my deep interest in equality for women and, and bridging that wealth gap, all of this kind of came together. And the final pivot was in 2017, where I said, I think it's time for a change. And that's when I slowly moved over into what I do today. Okay, so the first two big transitions you made strategically or out of necessity. And then this third one, you made slowly, but specifically towards following your passion, right? You know, I think I'd frame it not so much in terms of following my passion, but following my my joy and my deep, deep interest and my values. I think 
one of the reasons, well, you, I've created uh, a personal finance system, a personal finance, financial management system that is all based on values. And that's because that's what changed the game for me all those years ago when I was able to pay off $400,000 in two years. And, and since then, reinventing myself. And it's because I kept tapping into what do you value? What do you value? But it took all of those years, Bana, for me to put it into practice for me and to say, what is it, Doris, that you really want to do? And I started paying attention towards the end of the real estate investing. I, mean, I still invest in real estate. I still have a portfolio. Um, I still investing in other people's deals, Where, it, but instead of me doing the deals now, I'm more of a, a financial investor. So I'm still doing that. I still believe in that, but it it just wasn't bringing me joy. And I started paying attention to the fact that Monday morning would roll around. And instead of being excited for the work I want to do, I was like, oh God, it's Monday. And I thought that's no way to go through life because I was the one saying to people, look, live every day fully because I'd lost my, the most important person in my life when I was 32. And that really forces you to think about what matters, about what's important, and you shed the stuff that doesn't, and you really start to put a laser focus on the things that are so important to you. And that's what I started doing more and more of is saying, okay, Doris, what, what is it that you really want to do? And what I was noticing and was just how much time I was thinking about women and money, how much I was seeing what was going on around me and saying, oh my goodness, if she only knew that, if she only just did this, hey, I could do that. It's at that point where Mark, my husband said to me, Doris, you've got to start sharing these stories with people. You've got to start you know, doing something with people. And he'd said that as far back as 2012, but it took me, and I'm a bit of a slow learner because it took me until 2017 to finally take it seriously. But I mean, it's one thing to figure out I'm not doing the thing that makes me happy. And it's another thing to know, okay, well, what am I going to do then? So there's one heck of a gap in there. And so I took it slowly. I thought, okay, I am passionate about women's financial literacy. I am passionate about giving women a fair shot, helping them use their voice, find their voice, find their joy. Um, and so I, I decided, you know, the researcher in me just said, I know I'll do a research project. And so I spoke to women from across Canada. I said, talk to me, talk to me about your money. Talk to me about where you feel comfortable. Talk to me about the areas where you feel less than, where you're feeling um, not confident, where you feel like you don't have a voice or where you think there are gaps. And that was so interesting. And the stories that came out of that are what fueled the whole process of me building my company now, which is your financial launchpad, that is not geared exclusively to women, but in my mind and in my heart, that's who I'm serving. I serve women. This information works for everybody, but that's who I'm, I'm thinking about in my heart and in my head when I think, how can I serve these people? How can I help? That's what led to the process of building your financial launchpad is talking to 77 women from coast to coast to coast in Canada, running full-on interviews, hour-long interviews where they would open up completely about their finances. And that's what got me thinking, okay, so here's what women needed. At first I thought, okay, so I'll put together a course. I think that's it. Women need a course. And I was so wrong <laughs> because women didn't just want a course. They just said, okay, Doris, here's where I want you to help me. I want you to help me with this. And with this, 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 and that. 
So it started with, uh, for me, I thought, okay, let's start with a women's money group where we can have a ongoing conversation about money and then go from there. So I've built out courses and other things, but that's how it all started. And it started for me by just asking myself, what do I really love? What matters to me most? And what do I want to be able to say about my life at the end of it all? When I'm looking back and I really like when, when I think about my final days, I just think I want to look back and say that I moved the needle for women across the planet. I have goosebumps because you have done that for me. You found a proven system that works and you'll just keep holding our hand and talking us through it until we get it. And the interesting thing is, is you don't do it for people. And that's one of the things I really love no. about you is you're like, no, you need to understand this and this needs to work for you. Some of the biggest things that really helped me was the value-based system and knowing your values. The way you talk and teach doesn't make me feel stupid. It makes me feel empowered and like I can get there and I can do this. And that's the thing that I think is so beautiful is just empowering people to do it themselves, no matter how scared uh, and unworthy they feel. And when it came to investing, you know, I, I, I tell that story as many times as I can, as I hated <laughs> going to our financial yeah. advisor every year, I felt stupid and I really do not like feeling stupid. I don't think anybody does, right. That's, it's no. not a good feeling. So I love that you found your passion and everything that happened in your life led you to this moment because you can understand people, you can empathize, but you're also a, a straight talker. You know, this is for you. If you want this, this is what you're going to do to get there. Right. And so I think I've taken almost every course. Um, oh, you have. <laughs> that you've created. Yes, you have, yeah. Um, and I just like everything about it in, empowers me as a human, but as a woman, I think absolutely nobody took my hand and, and gave me this stuff before. And so I think that's your superpower is, is doing that for other women. Thank you. Do you know, I think the reason that I can do that and do that effectively is because I've been there. I've been through moments where I was staring down an ugly amount of debt and thinking, how on earth did this happen? I have felt financial panic. I have felt financial high. I have felt stupid sitting in bankers' offices when they're trying to talk at me, I came to realize that I think part of the biggest problem in the personal finance space is that so many of the voices are male. And we need to hear from other women. And it's not that men aren't capable of teaching. It's not that men aren't capable of resonating with women. It's just that sometimes we need to hear from other women and to hear that it's okay not to know this stuff, right? It's okay to be stuck but it's not okay to stay stuck. Right. And that's my whole message that you owe it to yourself in whatever area of your life that you're in. I mean, I happen to be talking about money, but whatever it is, it, you can be stuck. And feeling stupid is just, it's part of the mindset game, but it's the way other people have made you feel as well. And I think it starts by saying, let's change the way we talk to ourselves. And that's what I had to do. I had to learn. You're not going to learn, Doris, unless you start saying you're capable of learning. So how about if we start there, right? And thankfully, I had some training in university with the stuff that I did there. So that was a powerful tool for me to use to just say, all right, we're going to start with the self-talk and just going to say, no, I'm capable of learning this stuff. And then find those people who are willing to show you how in a safe, non-judgmental way. And that's 
as you know, at the the core of what I, everything that I do is the no shame, no blame, uh, no judgment. And that's because that never did any good for anybody. But I think the reason that I can connect with women on that level is because I have felt every one of those awful emotions. I know what it's like to be in that position. And I also know now, thankfully, what it's like to have moved past that and to be in a really good place. And what I'm looking to do is to gently encourage women my way and just go, hey, come on over here because it's really cool. The view from over here is really cool. It is. I think being on the side of knowledge and empowerment always feels better. I also like how you pointed out that the transition didn't happen overnight for you. It took time to figure out what would bring you joy and what would get you excited about your work. I think that resonates with a lot of us. I really think it's important for people to understand that this isn't a quick process, right? It takes time and and you need to be honest with yourself throughout. I can't believe it took me this long to figure it out just because if I had journaled more often, right? I'm, I journal faithfully now, but I didn't always. And I think what helped the process for me is when I actually took some quiet time to sit down in the journal and say, always start with gratitude, right? I am grateful for even on days where the most I can say is I'm grateful. I have a pulse. Like if that's all I can say that day, so be it. Right. But start with gratitude. And then after that, just say, okay, what is it about my life? That's not quite working. And today I call it the points of failure um, in a financial system. So where are the points that you're feeling stress or whatever? But back then for me, it, it was all about, you know, what is it that is not filling my cup about my world, my life, my whatever. And it's when I started journaling that and being honest, right? Because at first when I started journaling, <laughs> I would, I would be very careful about what I wrote. And I realized, Doris, you're being an idiot, for God's sake. Like, it's not like a professor is going to review this and grade you on it. This is private, right? Your actual thoughts in here, your most intimate thoughts. And it's when I did that and was really honest with myself and saying, you know, I don't think I like what I'm doing very much at all. And when I finally allowed myself to say that and to stop the Pollyanna nonsense. And because we're told all the time, find the positive, find the positive. But I think it's that can be taken to an extreme that's damaging. I think there's a point where we have to be honest with ourselves and saying, look, does this resonate with me? Does this fulfill me? And it didn't. It doesn't mean that it won't for somebody else. It just meant that it didn't for me. And that was the point where I started thinking about, okay, what would? What is it that would be better for me? And that was a process that took some time. It took some exploration. And listen, even when I figured out that, hey, I want to move the needle for women financially, it's not like presto overnight. The answer is there. I've right. got my business model. I've, and you know, having heard me now, you know, through four years of, oh my God, I wonder how I'm going to do this or I wonder what's next. It's a puzzle that you are solving. And I think life is a puzzle. And we put, the pieces into place one piece at a time. Otherwise, it's just this big scattered mess on the table or in the cloud, and we just can't proceed. So that's why I'm a big fan of one. It's my favorite number. It's one step, one thing at a time. And that's, I think, what made the difference for me is when I said, what do I want? And I started to pay attention to what lights me up, to what fills my cup. The big thing for me is when I asked the question, Doris, it is the end of your life. Fast forward decades and decades and decades from now, because I plan to live to be a really old age. Um, so fast forward, what do you want to be able to say about your life? When you look back, who do you want to have spent your time with? What do you want to say you did with that time? 
Um, what do you want to say you've accomplished? What, what mark have you left on this world? What matters most to you? And those questions, when I started answering those questions, I realized, oh yeah, I'm in the wrong place. This is not where I need to be. And then I started to shift and it is absolutely not an overnight process. It was a process of years, but what felt good is even when I knew I'm not in the right place, it felt good to start getting a little bit more clarity. I love that. So you and I could talk for the next three hours because we have a track record, (laughs) Um, but I promise you I'd keep this inside a certain time frame. One of the reasons that I specifically wanted to have this podcast for November is because November is Financial Literacy Month in Canada. Will you tell the community what you're doing this month? Yeah. November, as you said, Financial Literacy Month, I've got a 30-day focus on finances. So what I'm doing is putting out a two-minute video every single day, and it's a little tidbit on how to help you deepen your financial literacy. And this is such a, a big deal for women because if you want to lead life on your terms, there are many things that go into that beautiful formula, but one of them is knowing how to use money for your highest, greatest good. And that boils down to having financial literacy skills and understanding the importance of mindset. So I'm going to talk about that wonderful brew across 30 days in two-minute video chunks every single day, and they go out to my audience. So yeah, I, I did that because I wanted to just have a daily touch point to just touch on something different every single day that helps you move the needle a little bit further every single day or gives you something to think about. It is not a challenge. It's not like there's action steps. Sometimes I say, hey, here's something that I suggest that you do. Sometimes it's all about thinking, but every single little tidbit that I share is to help put one more piece of that financial puzzle into place for you. Awesome. I'm excited about it. How do we get people to get on that, Doris? Like, How can people sign up for this? So it's not a sign up for that specifically. It just goes out to my community. So if you head over to my website, yourfinanciallaunchpad.com, at the top, it says sign up for the money tips, right? Send me money tips. So if you pop your name in there, that will get you into my community. And then automatically, you will have the daily uh, videos because I'm sending out an email a day at 8 p.m. every single day throughout the month of November. And if you want the uh, ones that you've missed, just shoot me an email, doris at yourfinanciallaunchpad.com, and I will happily send you the, uh, the ones that you've missed. Perfect. Doris, thank you for doing this with me. It's been very fun. Like I said, I feel like we could still do this for another couple of hours. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Bono. I, I just want to send some love out your way because I think what you're doing is so, so, so important for people, helping them get their happier on. That just makes such a difference. And really, if you think about what the two of us are doing, it's both leading towards the same end goal, which is happy people. I'm just teaching them a tool that will help them get to their happier you and and hopefully be able to focus on that so that they're not focusing on money. But what you're doing is so, so important. So kudos to you. Thanks, Doris. I truly believe as more people find their authentic path through life, they are happier and they have more to share with others. So, you know, I always like to recap the good stuff our podcast guests share with us. I find Doris's journey inspiring. I know she said that giving up her doctoral thesis was wrong, but then I think it brought her to where she is today. So maybe it meant difficult times for her, but from her struggle, we gained an incredible woman moving the needle in financial literacy for women. The points I'm taking away from today's interview are one, it's okay to be stuck. It's not okay to stay stuck. 
I don't think there is anything more to be said about that. Two, Dora started by changing the way she talked to herself. I can learn this. I can do this. Remember that the way you talk to yourself makes a big difference in how you feel and act. Number three, journaling. I love that she brought that up. That was a big factor in figuring out the something that was missing in my life as well. Number four, she asked herself what it is about my life that isn't working. And then she continued that train of thought and to figure out what would be better for her. And lastly, Doris loves the number one, one thing at a time, one step at a time. Remember, every journey starts with one step. What's your next one step? What's your next piece in the puzzle? All right, so today's quote, I think, should be Doris's. It's okay to be stuck. It's not okay to stay stuck. I think that's a great quote, Doris. Thanks for that one. Your challenge for this week to figure out what it is you need to do to get unstuck and take one step in that direction. It's been a while since I asked you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, that just helps other people find us if they're looking for a resource to help them find their happier. All right, happy people. Have a good one and go get your happy on. Doris and I have already conducted the whole interview before I hit record. Um, (laughs) We really did. Yeah. We're going to do it again. Doris has been on the podcast before. So. You are having so much trouble. I'm, I was like, hi, Bonna. My name is Doris Belland. <laughs> You've only known me for like a million years, but yeah, it's all good. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? I still feel good. <laughs> and I looked it. <laughs> hey, this is just a quick reminder. If you know anyone that they could use more happiness in their life, please share the podcast with them. The whole point of doing this is to create more happiness in the world. And the more people we empower to find their personal happiness, the more happiness we have to spread around. So please take a minute and share the episode.